I can't tell you how much I enjoyed saying touch them all. Way back and gone. Touch them all, Joe Maurer. And now these guys are making it relevant to this year's Twins. Now our two resident hardball nerds will attempt to touch them all on the week's news surrounding the Twins in MLB. Here's Phil Mackey and Derek Wetmore. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Touch Them All podcast. I'm Derek Wetmore, and there is no Phil Mackey on this podcast episode. If you're a fan of Mackey, that's bad news. I'll just leave it at that. Uh, We're going to get to some Facebook questions today. I'm watching the Twins game on tape delay from Thursday night, recording this on a Friday afternoon. We've got Ken, Lance, Travis, Joseph, Patrick, Anthony, Leland, August, Cameron, James, and on and on. A bunch of people hanging out with us on Facebook today. Um, if you missed this on Facebook Live, you can always go back and find the sort of archived episodes on my Facebook page, Derek Wetmore MLB. That's where we're recording this. That's where we're taking questions. And if you are on the Facebook page, welcome. What's up? Thanks for hanging out. And I will get to your questions right now. For sure, by the end of the episode, we're going to talk about the six pitchers that I think the Twins should trade. In fact, let me pull that up right now so I don't forget. Okay, back to the start for questions. First, we got Ken. Ken says, no Sano innocence question today. Thanks, Ken. Appreciate you getting me off the hook. Here's the real question. Do players ever go out and be hung over the next day? Might explain some off games. Ken, I'll be short. Yes. My sense, though, I've only been covering baseball since, what, 2012 might have been my first year. My sense is it happens less today than it did 30 years ago. But I don't know that because I didn't cover baseball 30 years ago. Lance says, Lance has got a response to the question that I posed on Facebook. I, I just said, for the podcast listeners, I said, what do you want to see the Twins do at the MLB trade deadline? Come hang out live and share your thoughts. And Lance says, sell, sell, sell. That is what they need to do, and I'm tempted to agree. Uh, What do the standings say today? I should have this page bookmarked by how many times I've looked at it in the last month. The Twins are 7.5 back on the Indians, which isn't an insurmountable lead, um, but I think the Indians are also a better team, and that's going to be the problem going forward. They've got Kluber, they've got Bauer. And the Twins look like a more legitimate playoff team last year than they do at this time this year, and they still sold. So I think that gives you a good indication uh, what where the front office's head is at, like how close you have to be to the postseason to consider adding pieces. So, I mean, I don't know what's going to happen, but I would think the Twins will be sellers, and I would also think those phone calls and text messages are happening right now maybe right as we're recording this episode um so lance i think you're probably right i think that's what's going to happen um but how many guys are they going to sell i don't know that's tough to say travis wants to know do you think they should trade escobar that one's a little tough i don't think that they should I don't think the Twins should trade Eduardo Escobar because um, I guess I don't know what you'd get for him. Like, we're seeing this sort of, 
I don't want to call it like a readjustment, but the last couple years at the MLB trade deadline, you've seen, yeah, stars fetch prospects. Stars fetch prospects. And less than that, you're just like, you're gambling. I mean, you could for Escobar, you could get a lottery ticket prospect, I'm sure. I don't know exactly what's out there. I haven't had my ear to the ground the last 48 hours, but I do think that if you're a contender and you need a player like Eduardo Escobar, then I don't know what you're willing to give up for him, you know? Think about that. Think about it from the perspective of, okay, you're Cleveland, let's say, and you know you need some bullpen help or something. Well, you're you're not going to give up your number one prospect, right? Like, I, I think that's what fans want. And that's what I'm trying to say here is like, if you're expecting a top 10 prospect in return for Eduardo Escobar, I think you'll be disappointed. If you're expecting uh maybe a back end 30 guy, then maybe, Uh, but just consider what you'd get back. And if, if I'm the twins, I would either consider a multi-year contract extension for Escobar, see wh- what he's feeling heading into free agency or I would consider waiting till the end of the season extending him the qualifying offer let him turn that thing down and take the draft pick compensation but um that that to me is what the question is on Escobar it's not should we trade him right now if you're the twins it's is trading him right now going to get you more value than either signing him or the qualifying offer so that's to me the essential question it's the question for Dozier too I'm sure we're going to get some Dozier questions, so I'll just shut up. Uh, A man named Joseph Patrick joined the chat and says, I won't care about the Twins until they re-sign Maurer to a lifer contract, I'm assuming. Uh, A lifer. He says, hashtag goat. Well, uh, I don't know that Maurer's the goat. I wrote about this recently, and I just saw that it's starting to come into fashion. I've seen some other people talk about it recently. Joe Maurer's got a non-zero chance to set the Twins' all-time franchise record at times getting on base. Walks, hits, hit by pitch. I'm not even throwing errors into there, but uh, Maurer is, it was like 80, 82 times on base behind the great Harmon Killebrew the last time I checked. And like I said, I'm watching Thursday's game right now, so we'll have to figure out how he did. But uh, Joseph Patrick, I'm assuming that's not Joseph Patrick Maurer. It's the other Joseph Patrick. Um, I don't think the Twins will sign him to like a lifetime contract, and I don't think this will be the year that you ask him to step back and take the, you know, Tony Oliva or Harmon Killebrew, ah, sorry, uh, Kent Herbeck role with the Twins where, you know, you're kind of an ambassador. I think that... uh, Maurer still plans to play. In fact, I talked to Maurer about that this week. Um, he said nothing's changed since spring training from his perspective. And when I talked to him in spring, his point was, as long as I think I'm still contributing, like I'm still a productive player, yeah, I want to keep playing baseball. Um, I, I'm fascinated as you, Joseph, to see where that goes. A one- or two-year deal in Minnesota or somewhere else or whatever. But I, I talked to Thad Levine this week about Maurer and his contract and the no-trade clause, and Levine told me that the Twins are going to be obviously mindful of Maurer's rights contractually, but they also think that just given what he's meant to the franchise, that they'll have the utmost respect in if somebody calls them for a trade, 
they would run it by Maurer and his family rather than get a trade done and then go ask Maurer to sign off on it. They they won't do that. So anyway, Joseph, I don't know if that answered your question, but there are some nuggets for you. Meanwhile, I should have looked at the box score from Thursday's game so I had a better idea of what innings they were going to score runs and when I should be paying attention because Gibson's got himself in a jam here. Nope, strike three, slider, you're out. Um, That's a pitch that's been really good for Gibson, obviously. And like I wrote about last month, or I'm sorry, uh, last summer, the fastball up sets that pitch up to me. I mean, slider and the two-seamer sort of play off each other. You can throw the changeup in that mix too. But if you're always looking down, 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 down as a hitter, you'll time the velocity gap and probably the break. But if you have to be honest up, that changes the equation. And, and I think that's that forcing fastball set everything up for Gibson. Um, I think I saw Matthew in here earlier. Matthew wrote a great piece. Yep. Uh, True Blood in the House wrote a great piece last year on baseball perspectives. You guys can check that out on sort of Gibson's breakouts. And, and he really dug into the mechanics of what's changed for Gibson. Uh, that goes back to two winters ago when Gibson started working at the Florida Baseball Ranch um, with his trainer there. And, and honestly, it's taken some time for it to take hold, but this year you're seeing a lot of the gains for Gibson, and, and he's been a different and better pitcher. Um, so trade him. <laughs> okay, Anthony wants to know... Oh, I should just fast forward to the next inning. I don't have to watch these commercials. I saw uh, Blake Snell's line, guys. What happened? Well, we'll find out. Um, I'm just starting the bottom of the first inning here. So, okay, Anthony, sorry. Your question is, do you believe the Twins will be sellers at the deadline? If so, do you think Dozier and or Escobar will be dealt? So the first part of that is, yes, I think the Twins will be sellers. I think they're going to trade multiple players. Um, I don't know if it's by the end of this month, necessarily. Maybe it will be. But I could also see them using the waiver period to trade players. A lot of the guys that I'd want to move might not get through waivers. But, like, I I just don't know what you're going to get for Lance Lynn. I, I would trade him this month and just take whatever you can get and free up a rotation spot. Maybe Irv Santana slides in there. But I wouldn't necessarily expect the world in return for Lance Lynn. So um, anyway, your question was not about Lance Lynn. It was about Dozier and Escobar. And that kind of goes back to what I was talking about uh, a minute ago, Anthony, is that I'd be tempted to trade Dozier if there's a good return. Let's say some team misses out on Manny Machado and needs a bat and says, Dozier's got a second-half hot streak in him. He does every year. Um, and then if they'll give up a real prospect for that, or or maybe like two lower-level prospects that you can take a shot on, then fine. I, I would take that for sure. But if you're going to get, you know, uh, an A-ball lottery ticket then that's when you really have to decide is trading dozier really worth it or would you rather just offer him the qualifying which by the way he might accept 
Dozier might accept one year $18 million, given what we saw in last year's market. Now, I think he'll seek more than that, but one year and 18 honestly is not... It's not the automatic cinch to turn down like it was a year ago when we all thought, like, oh, Lance Lynn will do better than one in 17 and a half. Or, uh, you know, that's that's the example that's closest to my mind because the Twins wound up paying him one in 12. So, yeah, I just don't think the QO is a cinch to turn down anymore. And if you're the Twins, you'd have to be okay with Dozier saying yes if you offered it to him knowing full well that if he says no, you get a draft pick compensation, and that's great. But um, So, Anthony, I don't know what the Twins will do, but my sense is they'd be willing to trade Dozier. I think they'd also be willing to trade Escobar for the right price. But, like I said just a minute ago, I'd be tempted to keep Escobar around. Um, I, I, so much of that depends on what's your plan at third base next year. If you think Miguel Sano is tracking to be a major league third baseman, Maybe you don't need Escobar. But if you think Miguel Sano is your first baseman next year, then you need a third base succession plan, and you got to figure out what's going on in the middle infield. There are a lot of moving parts, but that's that's sort of my... That's my grand view on the situation, Anthony. So, yes, they'll be sellers. I don't know if they'll trade Dozier and Escobar. Travis says, I hope they don't trade Escobar. Yeah, I could see it. Leland, as always, has the comment of the chat. Leland says, thank God you're doing this, Wetmore. I was worried I was going to have to be productive at work today. That reminds me, every time I do these videos, I've got to remember to do a plug, because otherwise I just do like 60 minutes and I don't say anything. If you're a fan of the Touch Em All podcast or these Facebook videos, share them with one person. Don't share them with your whole friend group. Don't share them with your whole extended family and crazy Aunt Margaret. Just share them with one person who likes the Twins and is still paying attention to the Twins even after a rough start to the season. Because that's the people we like to have around. That's the people that I want on the chat. That's the people that I want to get the podcast. Um, So Leland, I guess you're welcome for keeping you from being productive on a Friday at work um, as I fake productivity at my work. Um... I'm watching the Twins game at a home office, talking into a cell phone and a microphone tied to my computer, and I'm calling it work for the day. Um, share it with one person. Do me that favor. Um, if if you've got somebody that you think like, hey, I talk Twins with this guy or gal all the time, don't know if they listen to the podcast, boom, show it to them, and we will be forever grateful. Um, Thanks for hanging out, Leland. August says, trade away the expiring contracts and let the Rochester guys get work up here for next year. All right. That cues me up for the start of my six pitchers column. The pending free agents on this team, Lance Lynn and Zach Duke, I would trade both of them. I like Zach Duke, veteran lefty. He's got some big outs for the Twins this year, but he's on a one-year contract. Um, He does bring clubhouse leadership. I can attest to that. But maybe you could get something for him, and I think Taylor Rogers is your A lefty going forward. Um, maybe you want Gabrielle Moya in a lefty role in a bullpen. 
But yeah, I could see getting rid of either or both of those guys before July 31st. And um, that does free up for some Rochester guys. Now, I don't know which Rochester guys you're necessarily talking about here. Um, but I don't think it's necessarily even all about that. I think there's I think there's just something to be said for getting value before a guy walks for nothing. And then you do have to figure out what you've got next year. I, that, is, that is one silver lining on a dark cloud of a season for the Twins is you'll probably, if you trade Dozier, you'll get to figure out probably what you think about Nick Gordon. You get to figure out what you think about some of these relievers. Alan Buznitz is up. Um, Irvin Santana might be back. I don't see trading him for anything, even though technically he's a pending free agent. I just can't imagine any contender taking a chance on a guy who's been out for the entire year and was not effective the last time he was on a major league mound. So that hurts um, the Twins. But, you know, there are there are pitchers that you'd want to see before the end of the year, like Alberto Mejia maybe, Steven Gonzalez possibly. Fernando Romero was up here for 10 starts. Um yeah, I could see wanting to see the Rochester guys, and right now they're getting a good look at Jake Cave. Um, I, I'm also curious to see, like, can Mitch Garver be fixed as a catcher? Because if he can, I like the bat, and that's that solidifies the catching position sort of going forward. But, yeah. Anyways, that's my long-winded way while I was watching Dozier extend an at-bat. <laughs> that's my long-winded way of saying, like, I think... There's a reasonable opportunity here to get a look at some of the next guys, but even even ignoring that, I still think there's a possibility to get some value for some of those pending free agent guys. Um, the other one that we maybe talk about later, I'm sure somebody will ask a question about this, but Fernando Rodney has a contract option for next year. It's really cheap. If you want to make him like your seventh or eighth inning guy next year and go get a real uh, like lights-out closer, then... That's an option for the Twins. But if a contender says, like, hey, we want this seventh-inning guy and we'll give you a real prospect for him, I think that would be too tempting to turn down if you're Minnesota. Let's see. I lost my place. Let me go back. Okay, we just got to August's question. Cameron says, sell everything, including the stadium, the team, the name, the seats, all of it. Okay, well, that's not going to happen. <laughs> Let's see. Joseph sharing this out with friends, it looks like. Thank you, my man. James says, trade for Brandon Kinsler. Nice. Yeah, just a low-level prospect and some international slot money how to do it. But there's no Shohei Otani waiting in the wings next year, so I don't know about that route anymore. I know that the Twins do value that slot money. Some teams don't. Some teams just throw it away and trade it like Monopoly money. Um, but I can tell you that the Twins are not one of those teams. So don't expect that, James. But I know that you were just poking fun at him, so I hear you. Gibson was on the ropes in the first inning. Now Snell finds himself on the ropes. By the way, as I'm just watching an at-bat here from Thursday's game, might need a successor, a new a new driver for the 
Robbie Grossman fan bus. I don't know. I might have to hang up my license and find another line of work. Jeez, this is basically the exact same inning for the Twins as it was for the Rays. Get a couple guys on, move them up, pass ball. Wilson Ramos, what are you doing? Block that pitch. That's brutal. Yeah, I've seen metrics that say Wilson Ramos is a decent defensive catcher. And I know, like, throwing runners out, he's got a good arm. But I watch him catch, and I just don't see it. I don't watch him nearly enough. We'd have to ask somebody smarter than me and somebody who pays much more attention to the Rays. But I... Things like that would drive me crazy. I'm watching him try to backhand a curveball in the dirt and try to just stab it. If I'm his pitcher, Blake Snell in this case, I'd be so mad. <laughs> Because ah, I want to be able to throw that pitch in the dirt. Try and get a chase. But if I can't trust that you're not going to let both runners move up a bag, I, I'm not going to throw that pitch with conviction. Anyways, I should stop watching the game. You guys have already seen all of this. Let's get back to the questions. Um, Lance. Lance is the one that said sell, sell, sell earlier. And he says, get someone that can hit higher than Dozier's 229, which is third on the team for qualified players. Lance, we have a rule on these videos. Can't talk about batting average unless we talk about its context. Dozier's not been great, obviously, the first couple of months, but the 220, 229 batting average is not what tells you he hasn't been great. Uh, hasn't hit for his typical power. Um Definitely extended slumps. I'm not here to defend Dozier. I'm just saying. He's hitting better recently, and his game has always been the power. Let me pull up his career log for you, just to prove a point. And by the way, yes, I just made up that rule right now. All right, Brian Dozier, who's 31. Robbie Grossman just drew a walk, you guys. I'm back on the bus. Um, Brian Dozier's best years, 2014 with the Twins when he hit 23 homers. He batted 242. 2015 with the Twins when they made the playoffs, he hit 236. And he's worth 3.1 wins according to fan graphs. His best year, his best year. When he hit 42 bombs and he was one of the best players in baseball after an early stretch to start the season in which he was bad. Dozier hit 268. 268 is a pretty decent batting average. But more importantly, wrapped up in there, Lance, is the 340 on base percentage and the 546 slugging with 42 bombs. 99 RBIs and 104 runs scored. Played pretty decent defense. So, I mean... The 229 average is not great, don't get me wrong, but what I see in Dozier's batting line is a 314 on base, 419 slugging. If you are a uh, stats obsessed and you follow like weighted runs created plus on fan graphs or weighted on base average, 
He's exactly league average according to WRC Plus at 100. And his weighted on base average, he'll take it, 319. I don't know. I'm just saying, I don't think you're going to get a ton for Dozier, but the question to me is not what you could get for him. It's what can you get for him in a trade versus are you willing to keep him for a year at roughly $18 million or possibly get draft pick compensation? So that's the question for me about Dozier. Maybe I'm a weirdo. I mean, probably. Joseph Patrick wants to know, best move we could have made before the break was Lomo getting hurt. Horrible signing. Can you release an injured player? No, you can't release an injured player, and if you believe the metrics, Logan Morrison's actually been a lot better than his numbers show. Um, I was on Baseball Savant the other day, and it's always struck me this year that everyone's ripping on Logan Morrison. He sucks. He can't play. He's a bad first baseman. All right, I agree with that last point. He's not a good first baseman, but as a hitter, I've always thought, like, I don't know. I, I don't really look at the numbers, like, day-to-day, especially on a long homestand. I won't, like, check the box. I won't check the box score, and I won't check, like, the leaderboards until the homestand's over, and I've always just kind of thought, like, I feel like Logan Morrison gets more heat than he deserves. Well, and I look up his numbers. Oh, yeah, those are pretty bad numbers. But if you believe in uh, expected weighted on base average and you look at batted ball quality and like how hard he's hitting it and everything, Logan Morrison's been one of the unluckiest hitters in base um, in baseball this year. Some of that, I think, I'd have to dig into ex-Woba a little bit more. Um, actually, maybe True Blood could answer this for us, but I think that there's a... There's a component in there that's not accounting for the shift. I think Logan Morrison could smoke a ball into short right field and the second baseman could throw him out. And X-Woba's going to say that should be a hit. And your eyes are going to say, no, the second baseman was right there. He doesn't deserve credit for that. Um, So anyway, Logan Morrison is hurt. He's on the disabled list. Adrian's is back. But um, I wouldn't release him. I just, I don't know that I'd pick up the contract option next year. And I don't think you're going to get anything for him, certainly now that uh, he's going to be on the shelf a minimum of 10 days. And then what could he do to really like boost a ton of value as a DH, you know, bat first, first baseman at the trade deadline? I just, I guess I don't see you getting a lot for that. And Snell gets out of it just like Gibson did. Let me fast forward to the second inning, guys, and then I'm going to get to the next question. Okay. Steve Penns. Steve writes in, uh, move all they can but Escobar. Make Esco a qualifying offer next year. We need to play for 2019. Get younger players the reps. Yeah, man, that's where I'm at too. I am very much in the 2019 is your year. Build for that. You've got to make a leveraged bet on Miguel Sano and Byron Buxton being stars again. And if those are like four or five win players, suddenly the picture starts to look a lot brighter. And Cleveland's losing Andrew Miller and uh, Cody Allen. When's Kluber a free agent? I don't remember. But anyway, whatever. Yes, Cleveland still has the bones of a good baseball team, but it's losing its two best relievers. And... That matters. I think 
I think I agree with everything Steve said here. You make Escobar the qualifying or try to give him a two- or three-year deal that's like, I mean, make him say no to a to a good deal for you. That's what I would do. And uh, then if he says no, maybe you give him the qualifying or, um, or offer it and hope he turns it down. I don't know what he'd get on the free agent market, but uh, my sense is that if he had the choice, he'd stay in Minnesota. So you got kind of in the driver's seat if you're the Twins. Um, get younger players the reps. Yeah, that was the last part. Uh, Steve says, yeah, I mean, I don't know how many young players you're really going to take a look at because some of your 2019 teams already set. Like if if Sano or Maurer is your first baseman, maybe... Nick Gordon's your second baseman and Escobar, um, Escobar. Polanco is your shortstop. Maybe Escobar's your third baseman. The outfield ought to be set. You got to hope that Eddie Rosario, Byron Buxton, and Max Kepler is your outfield. Maybe Jake Cave makes a good showing here the rest of the way, and he's your fourth outfielder. Um, who takes that DH spot? Well, that's open, unless you don't think Sano can play the field. Um. Catcher is a tricky one because I don't know that I'd trust Mitch Garver to be option one. I don't know that you bring Bobby Wilson back. Jason Castro is going to be coming off a pretty major knee repair, so that's a iffy one. Um, bullpen, you could afford to add an arm or two, although you got a lot of young guns um, with team control and options, minor league options. And then starting rotation, I actually think you're going to be set in a starting rotation next year, depending on how this trade deadline goes. If if you get rid of Lance Lynn and Kyle Gibson and Jake Odorizzi, well, okay, then you've got to focus a little bit and build your 2019 staff. But short of that, like I could see Odorizzi, Gibson, Barreos, Romero, Michael Pineda, you know, with a bunch of depth options in there too. Boy, quick work in the second inning for Gibson. I could see I could see them being like relatively content in the starting rotation. Anyway, that was a long rambling way of saying I agree, Steve. <laughs> Trade a lot of players, make your decision on Escobar, and then get a look at some other guys. TJ joins the chat. What's up, TJ? Thanks for coming by, man. Uh Eric. Eric says, anyone in the last year or two uh, needs to be considered to be moved. You're saying last year or two of team control. Gibson might actually be the guy that brings the most back right now. Yeah, maybe so. And and I don't disagree with that. Let me finish off the column, Eric, that I started talking about earlier. Okay, who should be traded? Well, here are six pitchers. Lance Lynn, Zach Duke, get what you can. Fernando Rodney, you got to figure out if you want him back next year for that $4.25 million or if you want to just get something for him now. Fernando Rodney, by the way, after a bad April, here's here's his line in 23 and two-thirds innings. Since uh, I think this was since Miguel Sano kicked that ball in New York that led to the walk-off winner. 23 and two-thirds innings for Fernando Rodney. 2.28 ERA, 28.4% strikeout rate, which is good. I mean, it's not elite, but it's good. And then a 7.4% walk rate. That's pretty good, too. You'll take that from a guy like Rodney. He's 41, low to mid-90s fastball, good changeup, ice water in his veins. 
maybe the most annoying walk-in music in the entire league. And, yeah, experience. I mean, there's something to be said for 300-plus career saves. I really, truly believe that. Um, so, anyway, we'll see where Fernando Rodney is shooting arrows uh, this time next month. Maybe it's in Minnesota. All right, Eric, thanks for the note. Agree. Um, oh, that was the last thing I needed to say was the three guys who have a year of team control left after this one, I'd still consider trading. That would be, yes, Kyle Gibson, Jake Odorizzi, and how about this one for a dark horse to be traded? Ryan Presley. Presley's going to get a little bit expensive next year for that sort of non-closer reliever. That, to me, is an interesting one to look at. If a contender's looking for strikeouts in the middle to late innings, you could do worse than to make Ryan Presley your sort of like sixth inning get out of trouble guy. I mean, he's obviously had his issues, and that would be the reason you'd be willing to move on. But if you're a contender and you're just like the game is on the line and you've got the bases loaded in the fourth inning and you just desperately need a strikeout and the starter's cooked, Ryan Presley's got like a 33% strikeout rate. Yeah, it could backfire. It could go the other way. You could walk somebody, hit somebody, or give up a home run, and then you're cooked. But, like, I don't know. For an early situation, high leverage, I could possibly see uh, Ryan Presley having value to a contender. So take that for what it's worth. I don't know if it'll happen. I'm just spitballing off the top of my head. That is in the column I wrote about it a little bit more. If you're curious about, like, why would you trade Presley? You couldn't get anything for him. Well, I don't know. Maybe. All right, Dan says, re-sign Marty Cordova. Got it. Tony, Tommy, sorry, Tommy, says, uh, if they win the next three games versus Tampa Bay, I wouldn't mind if they stand pat or only make moves that help 2019 and beyond. They can always add something off the August deadline if they're still contending by then. Yeah, so much of that, Tommy, depends on what you think of Dozier and Escobar. Like, if you don't think they're qualifying offer guys and you're not going to extend them, I, I almost feel like now is the time. Like, you have to trade them. Um, you never have to do anything. I get that, but... Um, I could see standing pat if you just can't get anything for Duke and Lance Lynn. Nah, no, I take that back. That's the one. I would trade Lance Lynn. I would trade Lance Lynn. But I could see the rest of it if you just don't want to move like a Presley, a Rodney, uh, Gibson, Odorizzi. If you, if you don't want to trade those guys and you think you might qualifying offer Dozier and Escobar or something like that, yeah, I mean, I could see standing pat. But any any trade deadline notion built on the probability that they'd make the postseason – I think you've got to acknowledge what a long shot that is at this point. Call of Duty Modern Warfare is here, and so is Mountain Dew. Roger that. Now you can unlock in-game rewards like only Dew can. Wait, what rewards? A Dew Operator Skin. Man, I love Operator Skins. Dual double XP, and even Call of Duty points. You're kidding me. Double XP and Call of Duty points? This is incredible. I can't believe it. This... Soldier, get a hold of yourself. Oh, Roger that. Look for specially marked packaging and visit mtndugaming.com for details and restrictions. Open to U.S. residents, 17 plus. College duty points available on 12 and 24 packs and free 20 and 23.